0: So when you're building a house, what's the most important thing? Oh, man, you guys are smart. Jeez. I was going to say it depends on who you ask. I mean, sometimes the focus is wrong. Um, you know, sometimes you're worried about how many bedrooms or how many bathrooms. Or uh, as, if, as a man, the garage, how big the garage is, or even better, the, the detached shop i could just hang out in there it's totally fine but some people not you all because y'all are with it uh, some people forget about the foundation but really the foundation is critical it doesn't matter how many rooms the house has or how nice it looks or whatever if if the foundation is bad it won't it won't stand it won't endure eventually it'll collapse um, construction methods have changed greatly over time, but the need for a solid foundation has always been important. In biblical times, the builders of a structure would search for the perfect stone, one that was square and true, and this stone would become the cornerstone. It was the first stone laid for the foundation of a structure, and every other stone in the foundation was laid in reference to that cornerstone. It set the direction of the structure and it ensured that the foundation was true and firm. As construction methods changed, the need for a cornerstone was less important, but many buildings still featured these. (coughs) The cornerstones often included information on them, such as the date of construction, or the name of the builder, or some other information about the significance of it. So here's an example of one. This one shows the date of construction is 1919, which, I think is really cool. I just love old architecture and things, and best I can tell because it's really hard to read it's all scripty and small, but it looks like it says Miller Halden minder, Damling Architects, Chicago, Illinois. so if I mispronounced any of you all's architects names i 'm sorry, you did a good job <clears throat> but as I said, the importance of the cornerstone to set the foundation lessened as as construction methods changed but but Back then, it was very important. As buildings were being built, the search for the cornerstone was important. During that process, many stones would be rejected, not good enough. They would continue to look until the perfect one was found. Just last week, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday and Jesus' victory over sin and death. But before the victory came, what looked like defeat came. He was rejected. He was sentenced to death on the cross. He was king and Messiah. There's no doubt about that. But he was rejected. Psalm one eighteen, twenty two 22 and 23 says this. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus is the perfect stone, although he was rejected. He is the cornerstone on which our lives, our faith should be built. He was rejected by the religious leaders and sentenced to die on a cross, but that didn't change the fact that he was and is the cornerstone, the perfect one. The only firm foundation on which we can stand. The importance of the cornerstone has changed in modern construction, but it has never changed in the foundation of our lives. What we're building upon, what we're standing upon, our firm foundation is still found in Jesus and Jesus alone. The need for Christ to be cornerstone has not changed. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 21, we'll be there here in a minute. I'm not going to read all of the scripture leading up to what I want to share, but I want to summarize it quickly. As you may remember from the last two weeks, Matthew 21 tells us about Palm Sunday and Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a colt. The crowd shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Then when he arrives, he enters the temple in Jerusalem and he drove out the people who were buying and selling in there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves, and declares that the temple should be called a house of prayer. Now, I love that. Jesus doesn't get, and I don't want to say he was unrighteously angry or whatever, but just to see Jesus turning over tables, I don't know, that amps me up. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've had conversations with friends at times, you know, arguing with me about, and I, I don't want to argue, but like, oh, you say Jesus never sinned, but what about when he's kicking over tables and throwing seats? And I'm like, guys, if somebody was set up shop in your front room, like, tell me you wouldn't at least kick a table over. <laughs> so this, this, among other things, <laughs> upset the religious leaders. They approached Jesus and began to question his authority. And Jesus told them that if they could answer a question for him, then he would tell them by what authority he was doing these things. They had no answer. So Jesus said, well, neither will I tell you. So there, go away. Then he tells them two parables, and I want to read the second one. Starting in Matthew 21, 33. It says this, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a wall around it And dug a wine press in it and built a tower and rented it out to the vine growers and went on a journey. Then the harvest time approached. He sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his produce. The vine growers took his slaves and beat one and killed another and stoned a third. Again, he sent another group of slaves larger than the first, and they did the same thing to them. But afterward, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. They took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these vine growers? This was Jesus asking the religious leaders. And they said to him, "He He will bring those wretches to a wretched end and will rent out the vineyard to other growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper seasons the conclusion that they came to is that the the renters of the vineyard that rejected the landowner's son and killed him would be put to a wretched end and that access to the vineyard would be given to others who would pay him the proper proceeds. Now, these guys were a little slow and we can all be, I can be, a lot. I know I've had those moments when I just don't get something until I say it. And then for some reason, when I say it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And this is one of those moments. Jesus tells them, yeah, you you said it. You're right. Jesus warns them of the consequences of the rejection of him, and he quotes Psalm 118 that we read earlier. Let's continue in verse, verse 42. Jesus said to them, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. When the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they understood, finally, that he was speaking about them. When they... sought to seize him they feared the people because they considered him to be a prophet now last week mark had made the statement that everything that jesus says has purpose that he's very intentional with his words and i think that this is another good example of that last week mark said that when the veil was torn top to bottom access to the father was no longer only available to the religious elite this is exactly what happened Jesus warned them several ways. The religious leaders should have been building on him, on the Messiah, but instead they rejected him. And the kingdom was given to those who would produce the fruit of it. Access to the Father was given to all peoples, to Jews and Gentiles, anyone that would say yes to Jesus, that didn't reject him. Matthew 21:44 says that he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces and on whom it falls it will scatter him like dust. This stumbling stone is spoken about in Isaiah 8. Isaiah 8:11 8, through 17 says this. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said don't call everything a conspiracy like they do and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many will stumble and fall, never to rise again. They will be snared and captured. Preserve the teaching of God and trust his instructions to those who follow me. I will wait for the Lord who has turned away from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my hope in him. Friends, our hope is built in Jesus, in Jesus alone. Jesus is cornerstone whether we choose him or not, he is our only firm foundation. And as I spoke about with the construction of the house, if our foundation is bad, we can't stand. What we build will crumble. Jesus can be a cornerstone and firm foundation or a stone of stumbling. It was a stone of stumbling for the religious leaders. And like them, we have a choice. We can choose to make Jesus cornerstone or we can reject him. He can be our firm foundation or a stumbling stone. And as you are all keenly aware, our foundation matters. No matter how strong we build something, in our own strength, with our own knowledge, it won't last. Matthew 7:24 through 27 says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock, What we build on him will stand. It'll stand against the rain, the floods, the winds, the storms. When we build upon him, we can have peace amidst that storm. Now, I know it's just me because I'm weird, so bear with me. But when I read this scripture, it makes me think of something something that you might not think of the three little pigs. And more specifically, the big bad wolf. Look at this dude. Yeah, yeah. Pointy ears looking like little horns. This big bad wolf comes after pigs, but he also comes after sheep. The enemy knows the importance of our of our foundation as well. And he takes every opportunity to come huffing and puffing and trying to blow our house down. And if we build on sand or with hay or sticks, he may just succeed. he he can at least throw us for a loop, put us off track. But when we build on Jesus, we don't have to worry. That wolf can huff and puff all he wants. And he will. Even if we're on a firm foundation, he will, he'll try. But the result will just be him running out of breath, getting blue in the face and walking away defeated. So what does your foundation look like right now? If the enemy comes huffing and puffing, what would the result be? You might ask, but what if I've already been building and that foundation's not super stable? What do I do then? Well, friends, we change it. We fix our foundation. And by that, I really mean we allow Jesus to fix our foundation. This may shock you, but... My life didn't start on a foundation of Jesus. (laughs) I didn't grow up knowing about him. I wasn't raised in church. I had some friends down the street that attended church regularly, and they would invite me to go with them. And I went sometimes. But at that time, it wasn't about Jesus for me. It was about pizza. Yeah. So after church, they would often go to Bojo's for lunch. And if you've ever had bojos, you know. It's legit. Oh yeah, that's the stuff. It's a little fuzzy picture, but I'd still eat it. <coughs> if you aren't a crust fan, it may not be your jam, but <coughs> if you've never been it's pretty awesome. They have drawings on of napkins hanging all over the wall, and their pizzas are like 3 pounds of delicious and grease. <laughs> <clears throat> yep. Might have to do some cardio after that. <laughs> and then when you're done, to add to the grease and all that, you, uh, you drizzle honey all over the crust and eat that. That's right. <laughs> so I was at church, but I wasn't really paying attention. I was just thinking about the subject of my upcoming napkin sketch what toppings I wanted today. And if I was praying about anything, it was that I would get a honey bottle with the honey on the inside instead of all over the outside. Because gross. But that time in my life, it was built on selfishness and pizza and honey. It was a sticky mess. <clears throat> my marriage didn't start on a foundation of Christ either. Kim and I married really young and While she had grown up in the church and she knew about Jesus, I didn't come to know him until quite a bit later. We were married about five years before Jesus got my attention. And it wasn't with food. I'm not saying that things were bad. I loved my wife. But before Jesus, I don't really think I fully understood what that meant. What Jesus did for me on the cross showed me, though. Loves more than a feeling. It's not just something that exists when all is well. It's commitment and sometimes sacrifice. It's a responsibility. All the stuff in our vows about good and bad and sickness and health and till death do us part, I mean, sure, that probably should include me in, but like I said, I'm slow. <clears throat> but anyway, I said yes to Jesus, and I spent time with him. And he reset my foundation. He showed me what love really looked like. He taught me how to be a good husband. Jesus Jesus showed me things like Ephesians 5.25-28, which says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself... The church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. He reset my foundation as a husband. Even though we had been building our life together outside of Jesus, he made it right. He made it firm. He made it strong. If you've known me for a long time, you might know this, and otherwise you might be surprised, but I used to have anger issues too. I was an angry dude. My wife would make fun of me sometimes. We'd go with my friends to village Inn and drink coffee and smoke, because I was a smoker too. And uh, you know, her impression of me was like, complain, nah, complain, you know. I was an angry kind of guy. I really didn't know how to manage or express my feelings very well. I had no concept of taking things to Jesus. I'll just carry it myself. I also didn't want to hurt anyone, so I would kind of just internalize everything. All the stuff that I was struggling with, I wouldn't say anything, wouldn't talk to anybody. But that would backfire because eventually it would all boil over and I would hurt people even more probably than if I'd just let it out at the time. So Jesus showed me the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I definitely needed that self-control piece. He reset my foundation. He grew those things within me. As I made him cornerstone and aligned myself with Jesus, I was made a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better friend. What would my life look like now without this foundation? Don't know. Probably don't really want to know. Probably not pretty. I know that I'm better with Jesus as my foundation. I know that my marriage is stronger. My family is healthier, without a doubt. I started building life on my terms, on my foundation, on my goodness, which was lacking, on my strength, which is lacking, and with a giant lack of self-control. I started a life with my wife and was getting ready to start a family, but I was building on sand. But friends, here's the good news. Jesus is faithful and able to reset your foundation. There are contractors that do this with homes and buildings all the time. They pump mud under the slab to alter the foundation that the surface sits upon and make it firm and level again. Guys, if contractors can come and pump some mud under your house and save it, how much more can our King Jesus save? How much more can he lift the sunken places of our lives the cracks in our foundations the unstable places how much more you don't have to level the building you just have to fix the foundation if what you have already built is looking a little rough he can salvage it now he may do some remodeling in the process you know if there's things that are ungodly or whatever he'll he'll fix that too But it doesn't have to be a gut job. When we say yes to Jesus and make him cornerstone, he will make our foundation firm. He did that for me, and I know he can do it for you too. Debbie, if you could come up. So, how is your foundation? How is the life that you've built? How's your marriage? How's your family? If you own a business, how's your business? Is it built on the rock or on sand? Will it stand? When our enemy comes huffing and puffing, is he going to knock everything over or will he get blue in the face? Maybe you're like me and you started off building in the sand. He can reset your foundation. He can put you on solid ground. Maybe you started off with Jesus' cornerstone. Maybe your foundation was firm, but over time, some cracks have started to develop. Maybe you bought into the lies. You believed some of that huffing and puffing that the enemy brings. And your walls have started to tilt from the winds. Maybe there are some strong areas in your life, but some things are a little shifty and feeling like they're built on sand. He can restore those things as well. life can be rough. Sometimes it can feel like the walls are coming down around us and we scramble to keep them up. We patch a spot here and we put a support beam there, but it just doesn't work. It doesn't help. But like I spoke about at the start of my message with the house, y'all are on it. But sometimes people just have the wrong priority. We're concerned about the walls and the bedrooms and the garages. We're concerned about how things look, the aesthetics, the facade, when what's really needed is to fix our foundation. So how do we do that in our lives, and our families, and our marriages? How do we keep the walls from coming down? Align yourself with Jesus. Make him cornerstone. Allow him to set your foundation. Spend time with him. Read his word. Ask him his thoughts about your situations. Repent. It's not always fun, but it's important. As he shows you areas where you're not standing firm on him or you're not thinking about something in in a right way, change your mind. Repent. Agree with him. Give up control. That's a hard one. Want him to be right more than you're right. Make him Lord of all. It doesn't happen overnight, friends. I'm at year 44 in my journey, and I'm still walking it out. But if you keep saying yes to him and aligning your foundation to him and make him the center of your life and your family, and your marriage, and everything, something really cool happens. With Jesus as your firm foundation, he takes care of the rest. He fixes the walls. He fixes the cracks. He adds new rooms. He builds with us. And what we build with Jesus is so much better and so much stronger than anything we could build on our own. And the best part is what we build with him will stand. It'll hold up to the storms of life. It will endure. Can I have the worship team come back up? Today, to close out the service, I would just like to worship for a few more minutes. If you've been joining us on the live stream today or you're watching this sometime in the future, thank you for being with us. If you want to connect with us, you can email us at contact at impactrock.com. This will be the conclusion of our live stream service today. God bless you, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Now, for those of us that are still here, I'd like to sing Cornerstone again and declare our hope and our trust in him, to thank him and remind ourselves that he is Lord of all. Now, as we do this, if you find yourself feeling like you're in a place of instability, If you feel like those walls of life are coming down around you and you aren't standing on a firm foundation, as we sing, just ask Jesus to be cornerstone for you. Ask him to reset your foundation, to secure your life and place it upon solid ground. Friends, he's faithful to do it. Now this can be a moment with just you and Jesus, but if you'd like somebody to pray with you, you can just raise your hand now and somebody will come pray with you as well. let's lift up our voices to our king the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone this is the lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes he is our cornerstone our rock in salvation and he doesn't want us to stumble friends let's stand upon him our hope is built in him alone Let's pray. Ah, Father, we thank you that you are the rock. That when we stand on you, every storm that life throws our way, you just shelter us, Lord. In you we stand firm. We just thank you for that. Father, I just pray for each person here. Lord, if... If they're standing on the rock that's, that's wonderful but if things are a little shaky Lord would you just fix those foundations Father God repair the cracks lift them up Lord as only you can we just love you we love you Lord if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus if you've never made him cornerstone of your life if if you haven't done that and you want to, He's here for you. If that's you today, if, you're, if you just want to say yes to Jesus and, and allow Him to change your heart, just raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you. Is there anyone? Thank you, Father. Lord, just be with us as we go about the rest of our day. And just continue to walk with us and align our our hearts to yours. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll leave us with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have an awesome week, friends.